Um, in my words, I would say that's dope. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Boot Up, the LSU Basketball Podcast. I'm Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics. Glad you could be here. If you haven't yet, uh, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Just help us uh, continue to grow. I've been really, really, really humbled and, and blown away by the reception so far. A lot of positive feedback. Um, a lot of a lot of listens, which is which is always good and and exciting because I, you know I'm excited to be here and, and covering LSU basketball and it's uh it's obviously exciting times to be um, around LSU basketball. The team's off to a good start this year. Uh, hopes are high. So uh, again, thank you for being here and looking forward to the season. Um, okay, so today's episode, what I'm gonna do is is I'm gonna break this down. Um, I'm gonna look back at LSU's two wins over Memphis and UNC Greensboro. And I'm going to do it sort of trend-based and, and some things that are working, some things that need work, and some things that I'm going to be keeping an eye on uh, moving forward. Uh, at the end, I have a something a little bit different. I have a seven-and-a-half-minute audio feature on Nas Reed. Um, basically, what I did is I took, I took a story that I had written that I haven't published yet, and I said, let's just turn this into an audio thing. Um, let's just turn it into an audio feature and, and see how that works. So uh, let me know what you think of that after you check it out. I may actually release it as a, a separate bonus episode so people can just listen to that too in isolation. Um, so I'm curious to see what you think of that. Please let me know. Uh, I liked it. I like the way it came out, but uh, I want to make sure that you guys like it too. And, and if you do, we'll do some more of that going forward. Another thing that I might do is, is Will Wade is going to come. Um, it's Thursday morning right now as I record this. I'm about to record this intro and, and then put it out. Um, Will Wade's going to come meet with the press at uh, Thursday afternoon, and he's going to preview Friday night's 7 p.m. tip-off against Louisiana Tech. I may come back in um, after I release the episode, uh, edit the audio file, just add in a quick preview of that game at the end. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I, I, I should be previewing Louisiana Tech because I haven't watched a second of film on them. Uh, I've had a couple other, other things going on, uh, doing some other stuff with writing and, and obviously making this podcast. So uh, what I may do is is um, after Will meets with the media on Thursday, just come back and grab that 60 seconds of audio where he previews the team, uh, previews Louisiana Tech, gives you that that uh, that scouting report that only he can, and, uh, and just pop that on at the end. So if you're listening before I've released that, um, just come back later if you want to catch the end of it, and, and it'll be on at the the last minute or so of the episode, um, and if you're listening and it's already been added, well, just keep listening and, and you'll hear it. Okay, so let's dive straight into looking back at, at the last couple of games for LSU. And if any of you have followed my work before, you know that I'm I'm very numbers intensive. I love statistics. I love in-depth statistics. So I'm going to take that approach here as I look back at, at some of these games. Um, I want to caveat that with this. It's been three games. It is too small of a sample size to extrapolate statistics forward for the rest of the season. Just because a guy is not shooting well right now or just because a guy is shooting well right now doesn't mean that that's going to carry out through the rest of the season. But what I am going to use the stats to do is just kind of show what's working, what needs work, and what I'm going to keep an eye on. So just keep that in mind. These statistics are not definitive. These statistics are way too small of a sample size to to break out from. Some of them, there's enough sample size to start seeing some trends, though, and that's kind of what I want to touch on uh, on today's show. So first, some of the things that are working, I'm really, really liking LSU's offensive balance so far. 
Um, five guys are averaging in double figures. You've got another two guys and Darius Days and, and Cavell Bigby-Williams who are close enough to double figures to be happy with. Marlon Taylor has gotten there a couple of times, but really all five of your starters, Naz Reed, Skylar Mays, Tremont Waters, Javante Smart, Emmett Williams, all in double figures so far this season, which is such an encouraging sign for an offense and such such a d- discouraging sign for a defense. Like if you're game planning to stop LSU and you try to take away you, you, in basketball, you can't take away everything. Will, Will Wade says that all the time. You cannot take away everything. You've got to pick one or two things to take away. If you take one or two things away from LSU, they've got four or five other things at work. And the Memphis game was actually a great example of that. So Memphis, their game plan, from what I could tell, was to shut down Tremont Waters. He had a good game last year in Memphis, um, and their game plan was, we're not going to let this guy beat us scoring the basketball. And so every ball screen action that LSU ran with Tremont Waters, they either doubled or they hedged really, really hard and, and got up in Tremont's face and got the ball out of his hands and said, somebody else is going to beat us. And the other thing that worked in Memphis's favor is Naz Reed had a, bu- a bum ankle. Uh, he had an, an ankle issue that kept him out of practice. I say bum. It was just an injury that kept him out of practice for a couple days, but um, clearly slowed him down a little bit, N- not necessarily a bunch, but a little bit. And Naz Reed got in foul trouble. So... Now your two most dangerous offensive weapons, I guess you could say, are game-planned against or limited in some way. That should work in Memphis's favor, and it did for a little while, and then LSU's balance took over. Skyler Mays went off, had 19 points, um, just started two of seven from the field, and then with about six and a half minutes left in the first half, drove the lane and threw down the dunk of the year so far for LSU and maybe one of the best dunks in college basketball. If you haven't seen it, it was on SportsCenter's Top Ten. He took off from about the SEC logo off his left leg, just punched it on a on a Memphis guy, threw it down with, well, with a little vinegar and uh, with a little bit of salt, and uh, it was it was a, a fantastic dunk. Um, one of the 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 funny feedbacks I've gotten since that dunk went down was, and, and Skyler got this too after the game. I know he gets it all the time. People don't know that Skyler's got that in his locker. Like people don't know that Skyler is that explosive because he he carries himself. Um, he, he kind of slumps a little bit when he when he's standing, and you know he kind of has that little slow trot that he does. Um, and he doesn't he's not super super quick like jitterbug quick like Tremont Waters, and so you don't expect that kind of explosion from him. But I've been watching Skyler Mays since he was a freshman and sophomore in high school. He's been doing that for a long time. Like he's got some real juice in his legs, and and when he needs to get up, he can throw it down. And so um, to get back to the the main point here. The offensive balance that LSU showed so far this year is, is such a good thing. It's going to make it really, really hard for teams to defend because when you take away Tremont or you take away Nas, which is hard to do, by the way, it's hard to take those guys away because they're pretty good. Um, guys like Skyler, guys like Emmett, guys like Javante Smart, who scored the first six points of the game, I think, for LSU, those guys can can get going and, and, and start doing some things offensively. So really good balance from LSU so far offensively. Uh, another good thing, free throws and layups. The modern college basketball game, the modern basketball game in general, is all about getting three types of shots. Free throws, layups, and open three-pointers. And we'll get to the three-pointers in a second, but LSU is getting a bunch of layups, they're getting a bunch of free throws, and they're making a bunch of both. So the the free throws in particular, I think people are going to be really happy with. Shooting 82% from the line, which is a, a really good number for a team, and they're getting 25% of their points at the line. Now, go back to last year. Last year's team 
only got about 18% of their points at the line. It was one of the lowest figures in the country. Getting a quarter of your points at the line is efficient. Like, that's doing it. And LSU's attempting more free throws than their opponents are making. Excuse me, they're making more free throws than their opponents are attempting. LSU is, let me pull up the stats here, which I should have pulled up before so that I didn't have to waffle on a podcast. LSU from the free throw line this year is 64 of 78, 82%. Opponents are 30 of 48. That's 62.5%. So that's um that's getting it done. That's That means that LSU is getting to the line a bunch. And also defensively, they're not fouling a lot, which I'll tell you in the preseason when they, they had their secret scrimmages, fouls were an issue. <laughs> LSU had some uh, some fouling issues, particularly in their first scrimmage. So it's good for them to, to not be fouling a bunch and to be drawing a bunch of fouls because when things bog down offensively, if you got a guy or two or three and LSU's got at least two or three, that can just get to the line and get you cheap points. That's going to help your offense so so much, and and uh, and it's a good sign for LSU because that means they're getting points, easy points, and and uh, boosting their offense that way. Another thing that's working for LSU, particularly in the last two games, uh, after he he struggled a little bit against Southeastern, is the distribution of Tremont Waters. He had ten assists. Uh, against UNC Greensboro, he had eight assists against Memphis. I think that's where he's going to be just about all year. You know, between seven and ten assists every game. Uh, he only had a couple in that first game against Southeastern. He, he he didn't quite look himself in that game. We talked about that on the last episode, but he he was really distributing the ball well in the last couple of games. Yeah, you know, even that Memphis game where the game the game plan for Memphis was clear. They were going to take Tremont away. They were going to get in his face. They were going to try to make it tough on him. And he did struggle a little bit at first, particularly shooting the ball. Did have his best shooting night. He only finished with eight points. But the last 10 minutes of the game, he was in control. Like, he was conducting the symphony. He was pulling all the strings. He was the floor general. And, again, he only finished with eight points, but he had the eight assists. And when LSU struggled at times late in that Memphis game, they had a couple possessions back-to-back that weren't very good. I think one of them, Javante Smart, ended up taking a tough shot from the, the baseline and maybe hit the backboard, the side of the backboard or something. It was two kind of poor sequences in a row. And then... There was either a timeout or a media timeout. LSU came back, and then they just put the ball in Tremont's hands and said, let's go. Let's let's No more ball screens. Just go one-on-one, get to the rim. He threw a couple lobs to Cavell Bigby-Williams, got some easy buckets. So that's that's Tremont. I mean, he's going to he's gonna do that all year where um, he's just going to be creating for other guys. His shot will come. He will start making shots. He'll start getting more open shots as he distributes more and more throughout the, the rest of the year. And uh, and he's just gonna. I mean, he's gonna put up crazy assist numbers. Last year, he he set the LSU freshman record for assists. Um, he's got a chance to set the single season record this year. He he's he's a phenomenal player, phenomenal point guard, and um, he he's just he's fun to watch. And it's been fun to watch him these last two games, just dishing it out because he's got a lot of talent around him. I think the quote Will Wade said after the game was, "You know, he's he's a pretty similar player. He's gotten better, but he's got better toys around him too. And it's gonna be fun to watch Tremont play with those toys." Uh, okay, two more things that I think are really working for LSU, and one of them I think is going to surprise you. I think one, I think the last one's going to surprise you because it's about a guy who hasn't scored the ball the way that I think he can this year and a guy who I think will start scoring the ball, but a guy who, when he's on the floor, LSU's just a better team. Uh, but I'll get to that after this point. One obvious thing that's working for LSU is their offensive rebounding. They're 11th in the country this year. They're grabbing 43.2% of their misses. Um, that is such a contrast from last year. Last year, they only grabbed an SEC play about 25% of their misses. That was dead last in the conference. It was a real issue for LSU. They just couldn't get those cheap buckets on offense where you get the tip back or you get the uh, the offensive rebound, you reset, you get another possession. And when an offense is struggling, and by the way, 
Like, I don't think LSU's offense is struggling. They're 15th in the country right now in offensive efficiency. But they aren't clicking on all cylinders yet. They're not shooting the three ball great. We'll get to that in a second. Um, they're, they're not doing everything they can offensively that they're capable of. But they're still 15th in the country in offensive efficiency. And, and one of those reasons is they're getting a lot of second chances with these offensive rebounds. Emmett Williams is, is grabbing a ton. Cavell Bigby Williams had a great, great game uh, against Memphis. I think he had two or three offensive rebounds. Darius Days is an offensive rebounding machine. Those three guys are, are really, really good at positioning themselves. They're really good at crashing the glass hard. They're strong. They're physical. Emmett and Darius have great hands. Cavell has great length. It's, it's just a, a skill set that LSU didn't have last year that's going to make everything easier for them this year. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's going anywhere. It's going to go down a little bit in, in the conference play, I guess. I think when they start playing some teams that have some more big bodies, those those numbers will go down. But it's it's a really good trend, and uh, it's it's helped LSU kind of buoy its offense that hasn't clicked yet. And once it starts clicking, it's going to look really, really good. Like that number, I think they're around 114 points per possession, points per 100 possessions, which is a very, very good number. I think once they start kind of cleaning up some other things offensively and you've got that offensive rebounding to boot and you're getting to the free throw line and you're getting layups and you're getting shots in the paint, it's going to be a really, really dynamic offense. All right, the last thing that's really working for LSU so far this year, this is the one that's going to surprise you. And it's because he hasn't quite shot the ball the way he's capable of and he's not scoring a ton right now. But Daryl Edwards, when he's played for LSU, has made the team better this year. And he's only one of six from the field. He hasn't hit a three yet. I know we talked in the first episode about how well he shot the ball this offseason. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. But if you missed it, Will Wade said that he was shooting the ball so well from three this offseason, they made him start shooting with the lights out in the gym because he was shooting so well. And he was still making like 75% of his threes. Um, to put that in context, like that's that's ridiculous. Naz Reed, who you're going to hear at the end of this this episode and that, that feature that I talked about, by the end of the summer he was hitting about 60% of his threes, and now he's LSU's leading three-point shooter. So that will come for Daryl. He's going to start making shots. He, he hasn't – I know he had a little preseason knock that, that limited him some in practice that Will Waits talked about. Um, he doesn't quite look himself offensively, but Daryl Edwards makes LSU's defense so much better. Like, he passes the eyeball test, going back and watching film. He's always in the right place. He's the smartest defender LSU has. He, he's really good on the ball. Like, he became their stopper last year. But he, he's also really, really smart and intuitive off the ball. He jumps to the pass. He does all the little things right. He rotates. He denies passing lanes. But he's the best help defender LSU has, period. There's been three or four possessions this year particularly against UNC Greensboro, where uh, Galloway, their big man, hit a bunch of threes. But early in the game, when Edwards was in, he was in help side. They ran a little pick and roll with Galloway. And and Edwards just left his man and went and got in Galloway's face and took away the three-point shot. And then when his defender recovered, Galloway's defender recovered, Edwards just got back to to his man. And it was so fluid and so quick. And if you weren't watching, you would have missed it. But he's such a good defender, and the numbers back it up. So here are the numbers on Daryl Edwards' defensive presence for LSU. When he's on the floor, LSU's giving up just 0.88 points per possession this year. And that's 100 possessions, so that's a good sample size. He's given up, they've, they've given up 88 points in the 100 possessions that he's played. That number, if you look back at last year, I wanted to get a larger sample size, would have been the third best defense in the country. So when he's on the floor, LSU has a top five defense in the country. When he's off the floor this year, LSU's giving up 1.2 points per possession. That's 101 possessions 
they've given up right around 120 points. That would have been the second worst defense in the country last year. So when he's on the floor, you've got a top five defense this year. When he's off the floor, you've got a bottom two defense. Now, those numbers are going to meet in the middle. Those are going to normalize as the season goes on. It's a small sample size. But he is such a good defensive player that LSU has to have him on the floor. And despite his offensive struggles, like LSU's offense is still good when he plays. When he's on the floor, they're scoring 1.23 points per possession or 123 per 100. When he's off the floor, it only goes up to, to 1.27. So it's not like he's dragging down the offense. He's still a good shooter. He's only one of six from the field this year, hadn't hit a three. He's going to start hitting threes. And when he starts hitting threes and he starts contributing on offense, if he maintains his level of defense, man, it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor. And that's crazy to say because there's so much backcourt depth on this team with Javante, with Tremont, with Skyler, with Marlon Taylor playing well at the three. But Darryl, you got to play Daryl Edwards. He's such a solid player. And I know people are, are are discouraged by his shooting early. I've seen some, some reaction on Twitter about that. Don't worry about it. He's going to start making shots. And he's such a good defensive player that he's going to keep playing. He's going to shoot his way out of a slump. And I think he's going to be at 40% from three by the end of the year. You add that with his defense, he's, he's going to be a really, really valuable piece for LSU this year. Okay, let's talk about some things that need work for LSU. I'll kind of get through these quickly. Um, I want to see the Tremont-Naz combo start clicking a little bit better. I, I noticed this in the Memphis game, and, and neither guy had his best game in that in that game, and they were much better against UNC Greensboro when Naz had 29 and Tremont had 21 and 10. Um, but I, I want to see their, their chemistry develop a little bit more. So far when they play this year together – LSU's only plus nine per hundred possessions when they're playing. So that, that's a good number. It's not a great number. It's good. But compare it to when they're off the floor, which isn't much. Now, again, sample sizes. They're not off the floor much. But when they are off the floor, LSU's plus 34 per hundred. So LSU's actually playing better when they're not playing together. Again, sample size, that's probably contextual. All it takes is one or two runs to kind of skew these numbers this early in the season. But I, I noticed in the Memphis game – they didn't quite have that chemistry yet that you want to see. That that should theoretically be a, just a unstoppable pick-and-roll combo. It should be a, an unstoppable two-man game. And, and I think it will be by season's end, but they, they're still feeling each other out. They're both guys that like to have the ball in their hands. They're both guys that like to face the basket and create. And so I'm curious to see how their their chemistry continues to develop because that's your arguably your two best players, your two guys that you would think are going to be in the NBA draft or, or have a chance to be in the NBA draft next season. You want to see them continue to develop some chemistry. And I think when they do, again, LSU's offense, I don't think it's clicking on all cylinders yet. This is probably the biggest piece of that. When those two when those two start really, really clicking, it's going to be really, really tough to guard LSU. Um, the other thing, and I hinted at this earlier, that, that LSU needs to work on uh, is, is the three-point line. And that's shooting the three ball. And that's also defending the three-point line. And, and one, I may be in the minority here. I want to see LSU shoot more threes. They've taken 60 through three games. That's 20 a game. That's a decent number, but when you look at it percentage-wise, their their three-point attempts per field goal attempt nationally is is, is pretty low. Um, I, I get this number from Ken Palm, which is, is a great statistical website. They're taking about 32% of their shots or three-pointers. That's 275th in the country. Now, part of that is that LSU's just been bigger than everyone they're playing, and so it's just, you know, just dump it into the big guy and get easy buckets. You don't have to force it up from three. But I'd like to see him take some more threes and obviously make some more threes. Um, 30, 33% is, is not great. It's it's okay. It's fine. But you want to see that number go up a little bit. But really, the, the biggest thing is defending the three-point line. They've given up 36 three-pointers in three games, 36 of 86. Um, that's that's not that's not good three-point defense. Will Wade would be the first to tell you that. 
Uh, teams are shooting 41.9% from three against LSU. That's 293rd in the country. So they're going to have to clean that up. You know, part of that is is guys have gotten hot when, when LSU was up big on, on Southeastern and Parker, Parker Edwards went off. LSU let him get away uh, in a game that was pretty much over. Um, so, again, some of these numbers are going to be skewed a little bit. I thought against Memphis they really clamped down on the three-point ball in the second half. I think Memphis only made three after halftime, maybe like three of 12, 25%. That's getting it done. You, you'll win games doing that. And so if LSU moves if LSU moves from that and, and builds around that, they kind of change their pick-and-roll defense. They had those guards get over the top of ball screens. They had the bigs kind of sit. Um, if they do that going forward and defend the three-point line to that level – and they'll be in good shape. They'll be fine defensively, and, and they'll start winning that three-point battle. All right, the last things that I want to talk about are some things to keep an eye on. Uh, I hinted at this, but I, I want to keep an eye on LSU's shot selection. And I'm going to go deep into the numbers here. Right now, LSU's taking a lot of long twos, which is arguably the worst shot in basketball. Now, there's a caveat here, and I'm going to get to it. But he, here's the breakdown. 32.2% of LSU shots are long two-point jumpers or, or two-point jumpers. That's according to HoopMath.com. That's 283rd nationally. You want that number to be lower because it's the, the least efficient shot in, in basketball, the, the two-point jumper. You, like I said earlier in the show, you want layups, free throws, and, and uncontested threes. That that 32.2% number is a little bit high for LSU. But here's the caveat. They're making them. They're making a ton of them. They're making 50.2% of their two-point jumpers, um, which is 24th in the country. Uh, to give you an example, Naz Reed, who, who took – two what would be considered quote-unquote bad shots against Memphis on back-to-back possessions, step-back jumpers that were, were you know, 18-foot two-point shots. He made both of them, by the way. He's 10 of 15 this year on two-point jumpers. So I'm willing to throw out some statistical stuff like that. I'm, I'm willing to throw out the preconceived notions that, of what's a good shot and what's a bad shot because Nas Reed makes a lot of shots that would be considered quote-unquote bad shots because he's a good basketball player. And so you let that guy shoot the, the shots that he can make and – I mean, if he's making 10 out of 15, I don't care where he's shooting from. Just go ahead and shoot it. Um, but but I, I do want to keep an eye. That's why I'm not, I'm not saying that this is something that needs work. It's something I want to keep an eye on. I want to see if LSU continues to shoot that well on two-point jumpers. I want to see if those numbers change at all, if they're taking less of those going forward, um, or if they keep shooting them at this clip. Like, yeah, take as many as you want. Um, the, the same applies to three-pointers and, and at the rim. LSU is only taking 32.8% of its shots from three. That's 276 nationally, so I want to keep an eye on that number. Um, 35% of their shots are coming at the rim. That's that's okay. That's right. In, you know, it's right around the national average. Um, you could probably get a few more, but that's that's a fine number. The other thing that I want to see LSU or I want to keep an eye on is how many shots they're getting in transition. Right now, they're getting about 20% of their shots in transition. That's really really low in the country. LSU is playing a much faster tempo this year. Um, they, they're I think in the top 50 nationally in tempo, and last year they, they're they getting about five more possessions per game than they were a year ago, so that's good to see. But they're not quite doing what I would want to see them do in transition as far as scoring and, and converting um, on the fast break. So I know that the Will Wade was concerned about his transition defense going into that Memphis game. They seem to clean up some of that. I, I know a big point of emphasis this offseason was LSU's early offense and getting better in, in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock. So we'll, we'll see if, if that number changes at all. Part of that could be that they just have – they've had a lot of leads late to protect, and so you kind of slow the ball down, and, and you're not getting a bunch of fast break buckets. Maybe in a closer game, we'll see. But, again, not something that I'm worried about, not something that I think needs work, just something to keep an eye on. And uh, the last thing that I'm keeping an eye on is this rotation of bigs that, that Will Wade has had. And he's talked about platooning them together. And, again – 
small sample sizes, but the numbers say that, that the platoons are working, but maybe it's worth mixing them up a little bit. So the platoons right now are you start Naz Reed and Emmett Williams, and you bring them off to the floor together, and you put on together Cavell, Bigby Williams, and Darius Days. The breakdown on that is, is good. Naz and Emmett are plus 17 together per 100 possessions. Cavell and Darius are plus 15 together per 100 possessions. So that's all good. Like, you you can live with that. That's that's winning basketball games. Those are working. But I'm curious to see, again, small sample sizes. Darius Days and, and Emmett Williams, plus 35 together per 100 possessions. And then the two Williams together, Emmett and Cavell Bigby Williams, plus 54 together. Now, again, I've, I know I've said it a million times, that's only a nine possession. So that is the tiniest of sample sizes. But I do like some of the things that those guys can do together. Uh, I do like how if you have Emmett and, and, and Cavell together, you're just going to be a terror on the offensive glass. You are gonna get, you're going to get every offensive rebound. And I like when you have Darius and Emmett together because it's almost like Naz and, and Emmett. You know, Darius is very skilled like Naz, and so I think they complement each other. So I like the platoons, but I, I, I'm curious to see how Will Wade continues to balance those things out together. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about, and then we're going to get to the Nas Reed feature, is the attitude of this team. You can definitely go back to the beginning of this podcast and put this under things that are working. I love the attitude of this team, and I have a, a specific story to, to reference. In that Memphis game, there was a point in the game where Darius and Emmett were on the floor together, and Darius didn't sprint back defensively in a way that that made Emmett happy. And so Emmett actually started behind Darius, sprinted past him. And I can't remember if Memphis got a bucket. I think they did. Um, But after the play, Emmett was furious, just absolutely furious. And he, he shouted at Darius. I mean, he got up in his face and screamed at him. And it was a moment of, of real tension. Like I was watching it closely and I was like, Oh man, this is, this is the kind of moment where, you know, (laughs) Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, like you're about to see some tension. And then all of a sudden, as soon as both guys finished screaming at each other, at the same time, they opened up their arms and they hugged each other. And the, you know, it's a small thing, but small things are big things. And big doors swing on small hinges. And that was a, to me, that was a, an indication of the type of attitude this team has. I, I've, I've covered a lot of LSU basketball teams. I haven't been around as, as many as closely as I am to this team. But I can say this with certainty being around a bunch of basketball teams, doesn't matter if it's at LSU or teams I, I played on in the past or, or coached in the past. Chemistry is is everything. And every team likes each other. Every team, there's friends and there's, you know, guys who aren't super, super close. And But everyone generally likes each other for the most part. But not every team has the ability to coach each other and challenge each other and compete with each other intensely and scream at each other like Darius and Emmett did in that moment. And then all of a sudden, seconds later, hug and, and be back on the same page and love each other. And I see this closeness with this team where they're so close that they can really, really challenge each other because they have so much respect for each other. And they can get up in each other's face and it doesn't lead to bad blood. It just stays in the family and it stays close and it stays tight. And that's something I am going to keep an eye on. It's something that I like and something that's working for LSU, but it's something I'm going to keep an eye on because if you're going to have a team that makes a run and that competes for NCAA tournaments and SEC tournament titles and SEC regular season titles, you have to have that closeness. It can be the difference between a good team and a great team, a good team and a mediocre team, 
a mediocre team and a bad team. And I expect this team to be a good team or a great team. I think everyone does, but that that's one of the hinges that this type of season can can swing on. And it was a good moment to see those are two guys that, that care, a lot, care a lot about each other. Emmett and Darius are very close. They're both characters. They're both funny guys. And it's just good to see that there's enough respect for each other on this team right now to where if somebody doesn't do their job, somebody else can get up in their face and let them know about it in a confrontational way. And then that person can receive it. And then they can shake hands or they can hug and they can move on to the next assignment. So um, just some things that, that I've noticed from LSU so far in this 3-0 and start. Again, Louisiana Tech on Friday, 7 p.m. If you haven't seen the Tigers yet, get out there. Um, they, they're, they're really good. I mean, you only get a few of these home games. Like, it really does fly by. I can't believe it's already been three. Uh, they're heading to Orlando next week for the Thanksgiving tournament. I don't plan to be there. I'll be uh, in, in, in Texas for the Texas A&M football game. But I will be watching, and uh, those are just some things that I'll be keeping an eye on, and certainly I'll be keeping an eye on Friday and, and as the season goes on. Okay, let's get to the Naz Reed feature. I'm a little tight on time, so I'm not going to answer any questions today. I only had a couple, and I think I actually addressed some of those and some of the things that I was talking about. So if you do want to get in, get your questions in for the next episode, um, just just hit me up on Twitter at Cody Worsham. And, uh, okay, let's go ahead and get to the feature. For your Two and a half hours. That's how long it takes to get from Asbury Park, New Jersey, the hometown of LSU freshman Naz Reed, to New York City and back again to Asbury Park round trip via the Garden State Parkway. It's about half the time of a flight from Baton Rouge to Newark, the nearest airport to Asbury Park. But Naz Reed's not much of a traveler. He's a self-described homebody, and that LSU was able to land the five-star forward was primarily a product of Will Wade and his staff's ability to make Reed feel at home away from home. So, upon his arrival to LSU's campus this summer, Reed invested two and a half hours every day with LSU's coordinator of basketball operations, Brian Merritt, in his favorite home away from home, the gym, hoisting up shot after shot after shot. And increasingly, as the summer progressed, make after make after make. How many shots a day are you trying to get up, or where are you trying to get up over the summer? Uh, I'll go shoot 1,000, Coach Merritt. Yeah. How long does it take to shoot 1,000 shots? Um, I mean, it really depends on how fast the shot um, tracker is going, but um, usually it's about like two and a half hours. By summer's end, Reed's make totals had nearly doubled. In the summer, it was like about three, 320, something like that. And uh, it went up to about like six, 600. As fall prepares to turn into winter, Reed's investment of time is yielding massive dividends on the court. The 6'10 freshman threw three games for LSU, has knocked down 6 of 14 from deep, including a 4 of 6 barrage in LSU's 97-91 win over UNC Greensboro on November 9th. Catch and shoot, three, bounce, 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 and it went in! And a foul! How, how is that possible that a guy that big has that good touch from that far away? In that game, Reed scored 29 points, showcasing not just his range from beyond the arc, but also a variety of skills, 
passing, ball handling, and, yes, shooting. Uncommon for a player of his size. That's because, well, Reed wasn't always this size. From 7th grade to ninth, Reed shot up 10 inches from 5'9 to 6'7. I wasn't really, I wasn't always that this tall. Um, I just happened to, to grow, and I'm thankful for it. But um, when I started playing basketball, I was about 5'9", and I wasn't really, I was like one of the shortest people, one of the shortest people on my team, and I always played up, so, and um, so I was like on, on, on the perimeter more than inside, so um, with that, the growth spurt just helped me a lot, and then being able to transition from my game from the outside going to the inside and um, be able to do both. There was only one downside to the upshot. My knees were in pain, I know that. <laughs> the pain appears worth the payoff, particularly for Wade, who knows he has, in Reed, a rare talent. He's like having Tremont at the center position. He's like having a, a, a Tremont at the, I mean, he can pass, he can shoot, he can make pose. I mean, he can do everything. So, I mean, he's, enjoy him. You won't see him long. This will be it, but enjoy watching him. He's he's a uh, he's a very very good player. But he's just more than that. He's an awesome kid, awesome person. He loves LSU. He loves being in uh, loves being uh, in Louisiana. Reed may very well be a one and done level talent, but he says his focus remains on the task at hand in Baton Rouge, and his actions support his words. Late in the UNC Greensboro win, Reed dove to the floor for a loose ball that helped the Tigers pick up a critical stop on the way to a victory over an NCAA tournament team from a season ago. Troy has it knocked away in the corner, ball's on the floor, and Tremont Waters has got it. Like a summer spin in the gym, hoisting up shot after shot after shot, that's the price Reed knows he must pay to get to where he wants to go. Um, as of right now, I'm really just focused on like getting to like the tournament or things of that nature. Um, if I if I get a chance to be one and done, I'm going to be glad and thankful for it. But um, just hustle plays like that is just something that we worked on. And, you know, it's something that if you want to win a game, it's something you have to do. In the meantime, Reed retains the green light from his coach to shoot from just about anywhere on the floor. Do you have the green light from almost anywhere? Um, if it goes in, I would say. <laughs> if it doesn't go in, well, Wade has a plan for that, too. He's gonna he's gonna have the green light early, and then if they're not going in, then we're gonna we're going to um, go in the post. Or you know, he has a little bit of a non-traditional post game. We like to put him on that wing and let him back him down from the wing, as opposed to just throw it to him on the block. So it's a little bit of a different type post game, more of a pro type uh, post game. Kawhi Leonard, a lot of those guys in the NBA do it, so it's a different way of posting him. But he understands for you know if the first couple threes don't go in, we're going to the. We're going to the block quickly and going to the paint. Leonard is just one of the pros Reed has modeled his game after. He's also studied tape of DeMarcus Cousins, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and even Joel Embiid, picking up tidbits here and there and adding them to his game. The influence of pros is evident in Reed's game. If he keeps playing like he is when the lights come on, and more importantly, working like he is when they've been off, he'll soon be playing alongside the players he's emulating. And that's where the game's kind of trending. That's how it is in the NBA. You know, the big guys are stepping out and making shots and being able to make plays. And so that's how, you know, that's how it is at that level. And I think, uh, it's, you know, it's trickled down to college. It'll trickle down. You know, that's how it works. It just kind of uh, moves down. So um, I'm just glad we've got one of them that can, uh, that can do it. 
This is home, Mr. Hart, where all of this started. Where we grow the freshest heads, so they call it the garden. Stopping the largest pool of talent that flies under the radar. Where hip hop's alive, cause we strive to save ours. Riders and bombers tacking off city with the finest of caps. At night attack, cause we from the wrong side of the tracks. Where them seeing's a part of our being all season. And if you're not believing, then we call them for treason. You see, that's all the more reason outsiders get devastated. Unless they from the bricks, then they get celebrated. Elevate the nation with all lyrics that we be holding. Since the days of babies, I'm Roman Miller and Paul Robeson. Open up your mention, New Jersey's inventing. We've been shining since the light bulb, and y'all couldn't dim it. From my henchmen repping Trenton, the rabbit men that's in Patterson. Any comparison with Jersey is just embarrassing. No disrespect, just travel across the U.S. And see a new Jerusalem, Jerusalem's what we do best. My flesh was conceived in Camden down at Cooper's. Just like my man King, so we natural crown rulers. Sound schoolers, that's the grand poopah, who's rocking it? Good team. They won it. Uh, won at Wichita. You know, sometimes when um, you pull the upsets in those type games, it's you know somebody comes in and nails a bunch of threes or something crazy happens. I mean, Wichita. I mean, uh, Louisiana Tech just just beat Wichita. I mean, it was they were up the whole game. It was comfortable. They didn't have anybody that had a out of body experience hitting um, you know six or more threes or eight three. You know, something like that. It was just a just a, a, a total takedown. They were more physical. They rebounded well. They guarded well. Um, you know, so I thought um, I thought it was a big uh, um, says a lot about Louisiana Tech and their and, and their program, um, how they went into Wichita and won in such a uh, tough environment. So, uh, a couple keys to the game. We're gonna have to guard them without fouling. Um, you know, they score a ton of points from the free throw line. They've made 58 free throws on the year. Their opponents have attempted 57 free throws. So they've made more on the year than their opponents have attempted. Uh, about thirty, about a third of their scoring, a little bit over a third of their scorings from the free throw line. Uh, they're top ten in the country and uh, in, in, in foul percentage. So that's something we've got to uh, we've got to do a good job with. They do a great job on the offensive glass. They've got a bunch of bigs uh, who crash the glass hard. They've got the state JUCO player of the year, uh, six seven athletic kid. Uh, who, who does a really, really good job. And their guards are tough. They've got good, uh, really good guards. The kid Bracey from Baltimore, uh, he's been out, but, but we're expecting him to play. And he's, uh, uh, he, he's a really good guard. And Archibald was sixth, in the country, sixth or seventh in the country last year in assist rate, um, which, was, which was really good. So they got a good program, good team. Coach Conkle's done a very good job. It'll be another big, uh, big challenge for us tomorrow night at the PMAC. So hopefully we'll have a great crowd. Our team feeds off the crowds. I think the crowds have been great, and hopefully we'll be able to pack it uh, tomorrow night on a Friday night.